Hello, um, welcome to the podcast. My name's Ralph Pritchard. I'm an artist and film director. Uh, I'm joined here by my friend Gabby. She's on my course Critical Practice at the RCA. Hello, everyone. Uh, Gabby is also an artist. Are there any other nouns you'd like attached to your... I, n- I never feel like artist is a noun. <laughs> <laughs> it always serves more of it as an adjective. For me. <laughs> um, I'd like to be a thinker. A thinker. Yeah. Artist and thinker. <laughs> the glorious Gabby Davies. Um, what did we talk about today, Gabby? Uh, we talked about a lot. That was wide ranging. Um, we talked about Englishness and culture and class and Brexit and politics and, and with a sprinkling of capitalism and the weather. And storytelling. And storytelling. Yes, the importance of the stories we tell and tell ourselves. I'm going to make a wager that you're going to enjoy listening to us. And me? No, you, the <laughs> listener. Sorry, I'm talking to the listener. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. Um, enjoy. It is a journey to the end of the world. Dirty old blighty, undereducated, economically backward, bizarre, a catalogue of modern miseries, with its fake traditions, its Irish war, its militarism and secrecy, its silly old judges, its hatred of intellectuals, its ill health and bad food, its sexual repression, its hypocrisy and racism, and its indolence. It's so exotic, so homemade. We just watched uh, a clip from the beginning of Patrick Keeler's London, which talks about England's silly old judges, sexual repression, hypocrisy and racism uh, over a shot, a misty shot of the, the Great Tower Bridge in the East End of London, not far from where we are at the moment. We're currently in Tower Hamlets. Um, Gabby, we've spoken quite a lot about culture and its relationship to class. And, and how this has affected English filmmaking. As someone who makes films within the English context, uh, and as someone who is English, uh, I've often found there to be very few role models or very few ways of storytelling within, uh, within England, within the context of England. Many English filmmakers uh, who've then sort of very quickly moved to America or, or people like Peter Strickland, whose work is very European influenced. Um, but it seems for some reason that England is a difficult place for for film and for storytelling. Yeah, so about the cultural specificity, which defines a lot of English filmmakers that I think that um, stay in this context. And the ones who move away, um, they tend to either be absorbed into like the larger cultural exports of America, for example, or um, they move closer to the, like our, our European counterparts, like the, 
European counterparts, like the mainland European mm. counterparts, the continental sort of end of things. Um, and yeah, I think there's no real middle ground and no real balance where we find someone that we, that you or I, for example, can look to and relate to um, on like, on a very basic level as English. Mm. Mm. But then at the same time, who is not limited um, to the specific nitty gritty problems of Englishness, who sort of expands to something a bit more universal, a bit more beyond our borders. Mm. I think one of the tensions I've I've seen in English filmmaking is is a sort of um, and I, I think also when I talk about England, I guess I talk about where we're at currently in in the 20th century and I'd like to talk later on a bit more about what happened to England in the 17th century and the sort of drift towards a more a, a rationalist sort of approach yeah. um, I think that there's a an attachment to a to a desired outcome for a lot of English filmmaking uh, and you see it in the industry but you also see it in our sort of some of our celebrated classics like um, films by Ken Loach which to me appear to be films where the filmmaker knows has a rough idea of what they want to discover before they've made the film uh, or what they want to say really um, and it does for me as that form of realism has never appealed to me it doesn't it doesn't transcend the, the sort of often bleak space that's being depicted it doesn't offer options it it, it's this strange logic of if I just tell if I just find an effective way of telling you um, how things are then you will agree with me and we will have in Loach's case socialism but you know I think this is actually something that happens across English culture during this more like this post-colonial or, or yeah or colonial kind of uh mindset that seems to make seems to have affected storytelling yeah i mean for me like loach is like that really loaded example um and like you say it's it's almost like there's hypothesis which he sets out um and it sets out with and ultimately he doesn't set out to test it but just to illustrate it and mm, i mean it's a mistake as artists that we all make isn't it like at some point we've all mm. like, we've all come up with like an idea that we thought was like oh this is amazing and not really tried to actually test it at all we just tried to get directly to it i remember you sent me this message uh, about uh, mark lecky talking about like the english desire for normality or normalcy or mm -hmm. uh, the desire to be normal mm. um and i think there's like a um about what you like in relation to what you just said i think there's like a lot of that in english cinema um, and there's m multiple categories I think of normal um, there's like normal for the kind of people the working class people that um, that can the, 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 the likes of Ken Loach depict and then there's like um, bigger visions of normal which are you know more um, middle of the road middle class you know um, uh, centrist sort of visions of Englishness which sort of 
weirdly sanitize a lot of things and it's again it's this dichotomy of like uh, something being completely sanitized or um something being um viscerally gritty mm. and in both you lose something of um you know both like evoke strong feelings in people but they don't evoke necessarily um feelings to which you relate or like um my problem for example with the with the likes of loach is that we've you know he portrays this very bleak vision of um life for um for people from uh lower class backgrounds and almost all of the joy and all of like the the uh the fun is sucked out of it and you know it can be bleak it can really suck um for example watching i daniel blake um it's just so happened that around the same time my dad was experiencing um the the, the same problems with the same system mm-hmm. um and and i don't know perhaps it, it didn't get as bad as it could possibly have got for him um but it it, it definitely um it definitely wasn't as bleak eternally um as as, as all un- unrelentingly as it is do you think there's a disparity between uh how how the experience is sort of seen from the outside and how it's how it's felt and do you think that's where the the, the some of the problem with this re- this social realist approach comes mm, yeah i mean it's it's the problem of it's obviously or i don't know obviously but to me it's not designed to be viewed by the people it's depicting mm-hmm. It's designed to um, to be screened at um, BFI to a different kind of audience, <laughs> um, or at Cannes to to to, to uh, where it will uh, you know be inevitably lauded as an important piece of social commentary, which I think it still is. And but again, it comes back to that problem of he's illustrating an idea. I mean, do we I, need to do we need to hold him to illustrating a reality? I don't think so, but. Um, yeah sometimes i watch these films and i think like i don't see myself or the people that i know reflected in them as well as they could be it's like one-dimensional aspects Mm. or very specific views of these people that are represented accurately but i mean those things interact with a whole bunch of other things uh, that's important to acknowledge i think one of the things that struck me about kez when i was thinking about it recently in, in relation, actually, to the films that Ken Loach made during the 2017 election, uh, which I happen to think was the perfect context for Ken Loach, because propaganda, right? I mean, if you add, propaganda is the definition of uh, illustrating what you've set out, what you having a, a belief, and then having that belief proved right by your own artistry. Um, Kez is a is a is a very sort of emotional story, and it's. You know, it's not lacking exactly in kind of the human dimension at all. It it depicts a young boy. Um, that's a helicopter at the Royal London Hospital. Um, it depicts a young boy who who finds finds his metier, finds his passion, uh, raising a a kestrel. Um, and the context he's in is this school where people don't seem to be succeeding particularly. It's a it's a it's in Barnsley people are kind of expected to 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 go to the mines after they finish finish studying um it seems to me a film that sort of is attached to this idea that all you have to do is is 
is give someone this 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 alternative and they'll they'll take it and it's almost it seems to be forming an argument uh r- rather too um rather too determinately and i'd like to compare it a little bit to a film called made in britain which i saw last weekend by alan clark which actually i think alan clark he worked mostly in tv but i think he's actually one of the few english filmmakers i do find fascinating um and it's a it's a film about a, a guy a sort of young 16 year old nazi kid who who's uh, in and out of um the courtroom and and uh being disciplined constantly uh for just telling the whole world to fuck off and even when uh, he's taken to a car show as a sort of as a sort of last ditch attempt to kind of appeal to his uh um his sensitive side his his more hopeful side um he takes advantage of the situation and and manipulates his uh um his key workers and his uh, uh, overseers if we don't sort out something and soon all that all that bloody awful mess up there will be the only options left there'll be no more help from us great and you'll be a total bloody failure at 16 and it's such a bloody waste i'm a success mate i'm a fucking star then why are you in here trevor hmm? there are those among us who'd like to know the answer to that and from where i'm standing it's not looking too good i'm in exactly the right place at the right time the fact that you're too fucking thick or stupid to see that that marks you down You'll be put up against a bus covered in petrol and shot. All of you, you just fucking failed. I'm not your bleeding problem or anyone's bleeding problem. Bollocks to you in your report. Write it, lock me up, who gives a fuck? I don't know, Trevor. I really don't know. Look, what are we going to do? About what? About you. No, about you! What the fuck are we going to do about you? There's an absolutely uh, unshakable resistance to authority, a violence and anger uh, that runs right through that film made in Britain. That makes it so fascinating, and and I saw it with um, uh, with our friend Toby, and we had a long chat in this room about what 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 could possibly be going on in this situation where this young boy was just totally totally resistant. Um, the film doesn't tell you why, and I think the film has a lot more respect for its audience for not uh, not trying to. Um, uh, not trying to pretend that it knows the answers, and I think this question of why, the art that tries to that answer why, is maybe at the heart of of some of the problem in English filmmaking. Yeah, it's a really difficult question, isn't it? Because it's important to reflect, I think, on you know how we got here. For example, mm. Mm. maybe it's better to like think of it in terms of how as to why. But maybe there's some of the why in the how. And you can notice by what films or what artworks become controversial. Yeah. Ken, Ken Loach's work has never been controversial. Even when this film, I, Daniel yeah, Blake, which is about austerity, won the Palm Door, right? But that's like, a, it's a strange recognition to give it, isn't it? Because mm. it ultimately, um, it's like the problem, um, you know, the wider problem within like um, the setup of our society where um, these potentially challenging and subversive things um are lauded by the the very thing which they set out to challenge mm. and therefore subsumed within that greater system um that it works within as part of this mechanism uh again coming back to the notion that like these are designed for external audiences and not for um a wide range ones mm. that encompass both internal and external and sort of provide some sort of uh provides something of substance to both 
Okay, totally sidetracks anecdote, but I think this is relevant. Yeah. Um, I've been watching a lot of videos by Tyler the Creator. Of course. Tyler the Creator is a American man, um, and uh, he he was actually um, had his visa refused by uh, Theresa May, who was Home Secretary at the time, for some of the lyrical content. Um, but before that, he was in the UK um, for a tour, I believe, and he was interviewed by Newsnight. Uh, about his controversial lyrics and uh, and there's a bit where the guy says what about the, the lyrical content um, <laughs> you do that so well and uh, and he was like <laughs> what about it <laughs> and the guy was like it's like I'm in the room with them rebels or sellouts both we explored the paradoxes of odd future on stage before a recent show in London okay now what about your lyrics what about them? What are you saying in your lyrics? Nothing. Shit to piss old white people off like you. Is that right? <laughs> my lyrics aren't of. I don't know. I'm sorry if I keep talking. My lyrics aren't offensive. Aren't they? No. Some people find them offensive, don't they? You've yeah. Heard that some people find everything offensive. Okay. And it's like, we used to have, like, punk. We used to have, I mean, I, there's an interview with Johnny Rotten. Mm. on YouTube somewhere that's very very similar in tone like very kind of like haha you know like really sort of disrupting that but but we you know we perhaps this ability to to actually be antagonistic towards mm. the media structure i think of two examples that i find really interesting in terms of subverting the the very authoritarian this is the bbc uh, not authoritarian but an authority voice, right? So, so Brass Eye by Chris Morris is a really interesting example of mm. the alarmist media narrative around child abuse uh, by a very sensationalist media culture um, being disrupted through using that form and then make, making it absurd. It's a perfect form of satire. Even our most drastic measures don't work. Last month, the notorious paedophile Sidney Cook was blasted into space to spend the rest of his life aboard a one-man prison vessel, posing no further threat to children on Earth. But it was revealed that an eight-year-old boy was also placed on board by mistake and is now trapped alone in space with the monster. A spokesman said, this is the one thing we didn't want to happen. Why can we no longer think of the British Isles without the word Pedof in front of them. Another one is Peter Watkins, who uh, made a film called Culloden about the 1745 uh, Battle of Culloden, which uses a very unusual form of, of a documentary uh, dramatised about a period of time when documentary would not have occurred. With all these things amiss in our army, it would have been better had the prince made some plan for retreat. But Charles has made no plans for retreat. He says that only those who are afraid can doubt his coming victory. He puts from his mind the discontent of the McDonald's, the fatigue and hunger of his men, the total outnumbering of his army, the thinning of ranks by desertion, the ill choice of battlefield, convinced, as he is, of the invincibility of his men. God is on our side. Our cause is just and we will triumph this day. The soldiers in the elector's army know me to be their lawful prince. Hence, I'm convinced they'll break in panic, for they will never dare fight me. Battalion, fix your bayonets. Through the, the sort of hard laying out of 
the facts uh, without a kind of emotional, too much of an emotional um, arc placed upon it allows the allows the viewer in but these are sort of using that that you know that that rp voice to kind of um, undermine it and undermine that neutrality and that defaultness which i think is at the heart of the problem of of english culture yeah i mean it's interesting isn't it it's the kind of voice like the rp voice is obviously not the voice quite you know aesthetically it's not the voice of of the people if there is one people Mm. but it's not the voice of many people is it um Mm. How many people do we meet in our day-to-day lives? You aside, Ralph. <laughs> Who actually speak. My initials are RP. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How many people um, speak like that? It's definitely... Um, I don't I don't know if it's negligible, but it's not a majority. Mm, yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, so, until until that... I moved to London, I'd never... Like, I was like, oh, well, people... It's like, it's like I'm in the BBC. <laughs> you know? It's news night all the time. All time. You know, news night all day. Um... I think there's an interesting line that connects what you just said about Tyler and punk and what you were saying before about Made in Britain. And um, what's important, you know, I'm probably going to break this now, but like, um, it's, I think it's really important first off that the motives are not, ex- are not explained mm. or when they are explained, they're explained in the same way that, um, that, 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 that they ultimately manifest mm. in the way that they don't really clarify anything at all. But I think within that, Mm, you there's it's motivated and speaking a lot from personal experience but also from reading there's a lot of it is motivated by recognizing um a dominant system is not designed with your um flourishing flourishing or well-being in mind Mm -hmm. and recognizing that and deciding and and setting yourself um i don't know necessarily to be against it but not to function within its boundaries or to function incorrectly within its boundaries <laughs> or in ways that confound it. So um, I remember reading um, uh, Subcultures by Dick Hebditch, where mm. he talks about um, like the punk movements, very, you know, mods, teddy boys, all these um, popular subcultural movements within 20th century Britain. Mm, and he uses the this example of um young punks wearing swastikas and um i can't remember the precise example but he he refers to like um i think an interview um with one of these punks and it's um it's entirely oppositional there's no real it's it's taking a symbol Mm. um and 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 using it to provoke a reaction knowing that it will provoke a reaction not necessarily um because of any sincerely held belief um and again i think that's something that comes through in with tyler the creator through odd future especially mm. through his earlier work which was more um, it definitely wasn't quite so complex in how it was expressed it was more direct and it was more like mm. i'm just going to say these things that i know will upset everybody mm. um in tyler's case um i don't know much about his background but i mean he's a black american man mm. and from what i gather um american society is not set up for the benefit of 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 a person coming from that background um uh at least not socially Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so it makes sense to me that that would that 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 same dynamic would um would develop somewhere at some time um Mm. and perhaps punk etc is an important reference point for him 
to come back to England, <laughs> which is the topic of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, we are um, we're talking very much about class when we talk about punk or when we talk about like the protagonist of Made in England. We're yeah. talking about uh, people who are d- economically disadvantaged, mm. um, and then by extension, socially and culturally disadvantaged, mm. um, and. Uh, people from working class or poorer backgrounds are often painted to be ignorant um, or just plain stupid some blend of both usually and um, I think that's something that people who are f- who are like viewing those backgrounds f- from outside need to tell themselves in order to make sense of things um, but nonetheless I think um, people coming from that world aware of their position if anything um if you want to know the visceral impact of money um not having it is a good way to learn mm. um if you think about like you know the person like, you know the person who um is relatively wealthy in an interview says like oh i don't really spend very much i don't think very mm. much about money it's not important to me uh you know it's more spiritual fulfillment or you know professional mm. fulfillment like to be happy is what's important mm. um I guess that's true. I wouldn't argue that, you know, it's important to be happy or it's not important to be happy. But, um, you know, it's easy to dismiss the importance of money and the impact it has on your life when you you don't have to think about it, when you've got it, when mm. it's, it's, a, it's a given. Um, but also I've... Um, the research I was doing recently for my dissertation mm-hmm. um, concerned a lot of this stuff... Um, a really important book I read was Miseducation by Dan Ray. Um, she's like a Cambridge academic. She has a history teaching in school. She was a head teacher, um, and she's in, and she come she's come from a working class background. Back when working class meant something very specific, which mm. it doesn't now. Really, does it? The, the pictures got more complex, and yeah. the less we've talked about it, the more inadequate our language has become surrounding <laughs> it. Um, and she talks about this and like you have that like that archetype of like you know uh anyone who's gone to a comprehensive um especially high school you've got the group of boys at the back of the class who are just fucking round um and they're not paying attention to the teacher and they're just having a laugh and they're taking the piss and there's no there's no real way to control them because they're discussing things almost not in another language but in very different terms The, the the point of view like their perspective is so completely different, and it's it, it, it and 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 from that, like, like that comes from an awareness that like your life is going a certain way anyway, um, and you might fuck it up even worse by misbehaving or, you know, by performing poorly academically, but it's vo- it's vouching for your mates and saying like oh well th- this is a guarantee, mm. um, as opposed to the risk of being alienated socially in order to become socially mobile this is sort of a wider question on on pedagogy because what happens in schools is that people are are told the way in which to express themselves they're they're told like this is an okay way this is appropriate behavior and this is inappropriate behavior and and you're uh you know you won't um you won't get anywhere if you behave like this um and uh and that comes into like loads of tiny little details like how you have your tie done and you know 
all this sort of thing but it is like a form of like yeah a culture being placed onto people and um yeah one, one of the exciting things about about made in britain was that the whole that whole system of like trying to keep someone in line is is sort of undermined by the by this by a lot of the arguments that this guy makes he also makes a lot of like really fucked up racist arguments but like the 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 the, the exciting thing about the work is that all this stuff is so complexly weaved together and and that that what he um you know he 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 calls out a lot of hypocrisy he says you know you uh you're never you don't have my interests at heart you're never going to have my interests at heart why should i listen to you you know you 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 know you're idiots for believing the stuff that you, you tell me um yeah i was interested i mean i'm interested to sort of talk, staying on the class thing to talk a little bit about um this wider context for england because obviously england isn't the only place where class is a factor but it seems to be something that defines us particularly heavily and it seems to be one of the lines on which uh you know, a conversation like Brexit, I view I view Brexit as being quite like a, 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 spe- a particularly English phenomenon because it, the voting of Brexit was so high in England, and it relates to a to a, a colonial past. I think it also relates to um, to the English Revolution, to this the moment of civil war, this moment of upheaval where we we abandoned a, a highly um, a, a highly spirit sort of. Sp- like st- dictatorial state spirituality uh in favor of quite a technocratic uh capitalist colonial approach things like astrology were sort of uh distanced at, during that period a practice that's now emerging a little bit more at least among <laughs> among kind of left-wing artists that i hang out with um but uh <laughs> But I do think, you know, I do think that there's like, there's now a moment where the technocracy, the efficiency, the violence, the violent efficiency and rationality, uh, the English, the English culture seems to, um, uh, seems to be so expert at the reason why in 1603, the East India Company was formed, but, but in 1714 was the biggest corporation in the world. This country is in decline there was also an ideology that's in decline. <laughs> that's like, I mean, that's a massive statement, isn't it? Yeah, I'm throwing it out there. I might be wrong. I'm just... uh, well, we'd all hope so, wouldn't we? <laughs> um, it'd suck to be stuck on a sinking ship. Yeah. Um, you know, we have actually like a very interesting, um, like mythic heritage, like English folk tales, uh, you know, from Chaucer, to Shakespeare you know we have like uh, as rich as any culture I think in terms of that era when you could really trade in 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 in, in wonder and mystery mm. um, there's a, a, an amazing essay by Walter Benjamin uh, that I'd recommend listeners to to search out it's in the Illuminations book called The Storyteller uh, where he talks about this ideal story that, that, that lets itself open to interpretation that that states that states the facts uh in a in a in an, in an engaging and uh seductive fashion and then the audience can can wonder at, at it and i think that in the case of social realism that ability to wonder is lost 
so it sounds to me like what you're saying is um, for you the revolution at that period of English history represents a certain kind of rupture with mm. a sense of who we are culturally yeah something that we didn't entirely succeed in um, either rebuilding or replacing like thereafter is, mm. that, is that what you're you're getting at yes because I think and this is like I'm not saying that we should go back to like the days when martial law and arbitrary imprisonment were were permitted when you know heretics were heretics were tortured and 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 so on and so forth oh clearly we won't go back to that yeah um but i would notice that there are other cultures and countries um where mystery is perhaps more present and we are currently in an era i think where there's certain things that haven't caught up with each other right so so there's a sort of desire with the political events that are going on at the moment, a desire to explain and understand and rationalise what's going on. Yeah, the desire to know. Exactly. And yet what we're, the reality we're being faced with is, is often one where understanding it or asking the why question doesn't really, uh, doesn't yeah. really get us. Yeah. Okay. I anywhere. see. I see what you're saying. So. And culture is a part of how we frame those things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's part of. Yeah, it's that discussion, isn't it? Um, I suppose, yeah, with the rise of rationality, or the, or the rise of reason, mm. um, we, yeah, it, it's like you, you, you know, but then there's, there's like, the, we, we lose, like, our grip on, like, uh, the, the things that are unknowable and the mechanisms which we have mm. for engaging with those things and, and accepting those things. Because, I mean... Um, it, it take like like uh, the, the the technocratic uh, rationalist sort of view takes no prisoners, does it? It's it's very either or, um, in the same way that the <laughs> Brexit referendum was. And I think that's that's a way in which like um, nihilism or what is called nihilism is often. It seems perhaps to me this is a big leap to make, but I'm kind of interested in it. Like, is actually like that a reaction? against that cleverness that superiority of knowledge that fucking david mitchell on the panel show sort of atmosphere um tyler the creator punk like they're like situated within the society they're in because how can you not be but like they are responses against that that's that supremacy of like of the rational yeah yeah i mean it's fascinating isn't it um i remember you were talking about your housemate suggesting that you didn't not need to try to be so clever <laughs> um, and I guess it's that isn't it it's there's um I mean you can't deny the antagonism of it it's definitely antagonistic yeah but I think there's, there's a desire for something else isn't there mm. Mm. where it doesn't have to be couched in like uh, reactionary terms um, so the desire to sort of to break to break free from like or to break the system hmm. or to break through or maybe just like it, it's like it, it makes me think of like hacking culture and like just poking and seeing what makes this thing tick hmm. um and in the hopes maybe that you can find a new way to make it work for you there's something i wanted to say before about like this this connection between brexit and like the the, the loss of Go on. a cultural selfhood because it's something that i've been thinking about a lot Maybe it's again part of this mechanism of antagonism 
I mean, this is this is a troublesome area, isn't it? Because like in saying this, I might sort of imply that you know only people who the system wasn't working or vo- working for voted for Brexit. That's that's obviously not true. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just um, you know it wasn't just people where I come from uh, who voted <laughs> for it. Like the, the numbers just wouldn't stack up, would they? <laughs> Unless no one else went out and voted. <laughs> but clearly, with a margin that thin. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about quite inf- quite a big influence from. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that obviously spoke to people across like a wide section of society. Um, so I, maybe it's not too useful to break it down into too discrete a set of chunks. Um, but yeah, it's, it seems this mechanism is definitely present of uh, this mechanism of misbehaviour. Mm. Um, the amount of people that you saw in, in the in the in the, in the follow up who were like, "Oh, it's a protest." I didn't think it would actually happen. I just didn't, but I, I just needed, you know, I just wanted to like stick a pin in it almost, you know, like, mm. I, I wanted to be heard and I wanted, um, yeah, I didn't want to do what I was told was, was the right and rational thing to do. Are, do- we, are we talking like ultimately about like, um, are we pushing at the limits of our own rationalism? Because it obviously doesn't fulfill a different set of needs. The way that you talk about that makes me feel this strange sort of uh, rush of optimism in a way mm. because I actually the worst thing you could imagine is is a sort of totally obedient society um, at least under these conditions that we have it's, it seems uh, completely um, understandable and necessary that people would be fed up um, do you find some of the energy behind that and also within the context of like Britain being the only like the first country, sort of quite surprised people I think that that this it happened here. Um, do you find that that gives us a, a a new insight into this into a spirit that's like that's still at the core of our culture? Yeah, I think so. I think um, as much as we are we come across culturally as polite and reasonable <laughs> there is like um and i think we're, we're we're just we're starting to hit on it a bit here we definitely have um a certain history of dissent mm. um and uh, i really wish it wasn't manifesting in the way it is mm. but you know um i guess it's beggars can't be choosers <laughs> Would you rather it not be that that we didn't have that? Perhaps it's something we need to engage with more and un- ironically understand more or um, accept more as something that makes up our constitution uh, as, as 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 a culture, as, as people belonging to a culture. I mean, like I say, I think the um, the long view of England, and obviously history is one of those things you can very easily pick and choose. Uh, but you know the peasants revolt is like a key a key moment in our history the English revolution which was this 11 year period of of, uh, well the the disruption was much wider than the 11 year period but uh, but like a period of time where lots of new quite radical and I think much more radical than certainly more radical than you know making Jeremy Corbyn prime minister Mm. uh really fundamentally new ideas like the levelers and the diggers and so on about how society would be organized emerging um that's fascinating though isn't it because um 
that such like um, a new conception of ourselves that was um, that was very rational um, um, emerged from that. Mm, um, yes, and dominated and 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 subsumed a lot of that. Yeah, I mean that energy. Could those things have emerged if that was already the dominant system, the the way of doing things, mm. um, and is the like. I don't think we can deny there's a definite lack of imagination in politics uh, across the board right now. Mm. Um, and it's not limited to England. Um, are we, are we, are we struggling to imagine the new possibilities because they don't seem rational? Yes. I think that's, well, that's a huge question. I suppose in some ways I, I see myself as a, f- a frustrated member of the, of, of the default in a way. I feel a lot of the time in my, my own artwork, I'm especially recently, writing these raps I'm like really attempting to pick apart this identity that I found myself in which society has sort of allowed has sort of said has, has labeled as, as as a kind of a normal mm. you know I'm I'm basically in terms of the political in terms of the polit- political utility of artwork that examines identity uh, I have absolutely no time for an artwork that that strives to maintain the the center default and the other other you know i i think um and if you're speaking from the center default you have to other it or you have to like specify it you have to kind of um examine its weirdness and its oddness um and i think coming back to what we were saying earlier there is quite a powerful sense of correctness and manners and and behavior uh, in our culture that does feel like the product of quite a strong repression. And I find just amongst like just 23 years of being around English people, <laughs> like there is like a, a sort of very subtle form of policing that we do. Um, and I think it contributes to what I would describe as like a sense of suspicion and possibly even contempt around culture that I think has I think has affected our funding structures um just in terms of the fact that places like Scotland and uh, and Ireland and other parts of Europe sometimes have a, a, a more available but uh but also just like the way that culture is stratified uh, primarily by class mm. for me it ties in with behavior as well earlier we were talking about um uh, pedagogical stuff mm. and um, the way that mm, certain behaviors are encouraged and others are discouraged. I think this whole conversation started for me um, when you sent me a message on WhatsApp talking about the erosion of culture in the UK. Yeah, and I think my response was, "Well, actually, Ralph, I think that we are quite cultural, mm. and I don't think that we're lacking in culture, but we are lacking in the in the in the ways that we discuss it and." the things that we actually talk about when we talk about culture mm. um, because there's of course within an arts institution which we both occupy mm-hmm. there is a very heterogenic definition of culture that we recognize many things in what we do the things we draw on and the things that we attempt to put out um, or at least in our immediate circle I think outside of those four walls though you know which you can't stress the importance of enough because it's a mm. it's a very like limited spectrum and a very limited uh, a very specific lens to view these things through is the you know 
is is through what the what what, what advantages we've got mm. by, um, by being very involved in this kind of world by being called artists yeah or by defining ourselves as such mm. and surrounding ourselves with like-minded people um intentionally or otherwise um we we have to remember that outside of, of the of, of that space um there are very um ingrained norms of what we what we mean when we say culture mm. and they're things that are recognized at all levels uh, various at the various strata of society um you know regardless of your class background when you talk about culture specifically you probably know that you're talking about um high the high arts you know fine art painting sculpture mm. things that you would go to a museum or a gallery to see contemporary art you're talking about um classical dance contemporary dance opera um you're talking about all these things but even though that sounds quite wide-ranging it's still a very um it's a still a subset of um a, a more anth- like uh, anthropological view of what co- what constitutes culture which yeah. are, you know these shared social activities and idiosyncrasies and um yeah and 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 like you say there's there's a quite clear divide because if you look to like um like the report by create yeah um, which demonstrates you know what kind of people go to what kind of things panic it's called panic yeah that's the one um it quite clearly demonstrates that these things that i've just mentioned for example um are predominantly the uh the concern the interest of of the more affluent sections of society um i I guess the inverse of that is that you often have conceptual art contexts where people are kind of doing uh things like just quite normal things like sort of like uh dancing together or you know cookery or (laughs) um like sort of uh there's a there's a funny thing that happens with art where like things that people do in other like you know like improvisation or the the sort of activities that happen in other that just happen become put into an art context and you this starts to become this uh i mean i could go on at length about how the way journalism has been sort of weirdly absorbed into art in these weird ways but uh, the other the other dimension of it i guess is 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 the the great berger quote you know art as a track as a tragic phenomenon yeah this idea that uh which i've always felt like you know like that basically this thing that we call art that we place upon artists is something that everyone should have access to everyone should be able to 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 reach that level of of self-expression in their own language you know um the other thing that it reminded me of was this podcast interview on uh harry medley's podcast uh an interview with george clark who's my tutor at the rca at the moment and he was talking about this trip he did, a very long trip he did to um, Indonesia, and he sp- he was spending a lot of time with this Indonesian uh, art space called uh, Jatawangi, the Jatawangi Art Factory. And he said that it it was a it was a I mean partly like it's very hot there, so people were just out and about a lot more. Um, he was making comparison between it and Marsden in Yorkshire, which is where he grew up. But he was saying it suddenly became absurd to him that in England we have these questions about whether or not your art is engaging with the community because in Jatawangi people were making art everyone in the community was coming to see it and taking part in it just the very fact that the two are divided yeah um, 
and yet it's invisible to us that that's a problem mm. um does it seem like a problem so because i i know people who do arts projects that are basically like youth work or social work or like you know people who 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 put on workshops that would have been before austerity perhaps more available or people who who yeah as part of their arts practice or use arts funding quite cannily to just do yeah to do stuff that's you know it shouldn't there shouldn't be these lines it seems kind of absurd and and a, and a particularly poignant part of like how our how our culture has has created these lines yeah i mean i definitely think that they are lines of exclusion mm. um and i think there's a set of i, I mean that you can really get conspiracy start sounding like a conspiracy theorist I think. <laughs> but um i think there's definitely some sort of vested interest in maintaining the status of uh these particular activities over others um i mean the closest for a lot of people um the the the, the, the closest recognition they get to that the, the, what they do is um things like pop culture which is like i mean but even then it's accompanied by a qualifier mm. um because you know it can't just be culture it has to be framed in these specific terms in order to be understood um within that within even that concept mm. um and i think it ties back into uh this dissenting behavior and then into brexit mm. itself and the political circumstances we find ourselves confronted with um uh because uh i have no idea where i picked this idea up from but i know i picked it up from somewhere <laughs> and it's the idea that um that it's important for people like, like that, that culture is like a social glue and that it's important for people to feel uh that they have a contributing role mm -hmm. um in in their culture and that if they don't feel either that they don't have a contributing role um or that it's or that they don't have a culture mm -hmm. um leading sentiments like you know when you say the erosion of culture or when other people um british or otherwise talk about britain as a, like almost like a cultural backwater <laughs> a place that doesn't really you know it, it doesn't have a cuisine it doesn't have you know it doesn't have like a a strong national identity that's not based on racism <laughs> um or xenophobia mm. um and I, this is this is a problem it's like a yeah. massive a massive problem for all of us because if if i think a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life are feeling like that mm. um they've internalized this truth or this this version of this this idea um of a, of either a culture built on the appropriation of other cultures or the exclusion of other cultures mm. um or its own supremacy over other cultures you know or a complete absence of uh, a native culture um and and then, and then of course referring back to this idea that you know of culture as a social glue um without it um people feel no sense of obligation um to one another or to their country or to anything they're not tied down they're mm. just um we are you know the 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 atomistic uh society that, that that we are that i guess we're supposed to be uh, <laughs> under the dominant economic and political ideologies
I was thinking about an amazing visit we had recently from Mark Leckie, um, and it was really the first moment I was properly exposed to to Mark's work, and I was thinking a lot about about that specificity, about how he he looks into into England and into these the music that's come out of England, which I think is actually something an aspect of England that has has not um has not suffered in the way that film has over the twentieth century. You know, we've produced we <laughs> England, yeah, whatever. Uh this this place, this land mass, this bit of the land mass that we're on at the moment, has produced amazing amazing music and amazing musical cultures, uh, in spite of the uh awkward cultural position that you describe. Um but yeah, Le- Lecky's work searches a great example is is this fixation he has on this bridge, uh, the Eastern Rake Bridge uh, on the outskirts. I think it's near Ellesmere Port, somewhere around, somewhere near Liverpool. Uh, and it's uh, a motorway uh, bridge. And he does this song. He also uses it as a motif for this amazing autobiographical sort of found footage memoir called Dream English Kid, which is on YouTube. Also on YouTube is this film specifically about the bridge the bridge also featured in a cubic gallery show he had which i think has gone to other places but he fixated on this bridge and he imbued this bridge with the the mythology and the spirituality uh that that he felt from it and that is there and that is um that is like constantly denied by by the sort of um that that violent um rationalism and, and technocracy of uh, that that we've described earlier so i i think delving into personal memories personal feelings and attaching a certain wonder to a space i suppose this is a good uh callback to the beginning one of one of my favorite english films london by patrick keeler is a film which has many still shots of locations in London with a voiceover that journeys through all the pla- a lot of the people who've lived in this city and talks about poetry and talks about um, time travel. Uh, the first line of it is, this is a journey to the end of the world. Um, and there are many very plain and, and, and unpretentious references to the idea of time travel. Uh, there's a moment where the narrator says, uh, we woke up and it was spring. And that's also reflected in, 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 in the weather, which is a, a, cl- a classic English talking point. Uh, I think the weather recently, it's been, it's been very rainy, but quite suddenly after having been quite sunny. The weather is a way in which time travel seems to kind of happen. Um, film is, 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 is the official medium of time travel, uh, in my view. And, um, and, and England has a, a very complicated relationship to nostalgia, um, which has been explored in kind of theoretical books like, like sort of uh, Owen Hathaway's uh, "Keep Calm." I don't know what it's actually called, but it has a "Keep Calm" uh, and carry the on. The Ministry of Nostalgia. Yes, that's the one. Um, this specificity that I and and this haunting. Uh, to, to name drop two other key English figures, Mark Fisher and Burial, are also people who've who've, who've looked into this idea of of a haunting. Um, there is something in this land that, that deeply contradicts uh, this I- idea that we can 
know everything and this idea of of efficiency that's dominated for centuries um art i think has to speak that yeah i think i think you're right <laughs> i mean i've got so much on that would have been a beautiful note to end on because <laughs> I mean, it's just so so beautifully expressed but there's so much i want to say you. about that um i don't want to suck mark leckie's dick too much but i think it can't be understated the importance of what he does what's important to recognize is not the, the, the is, is is the fundamental um not lie but like that it is not true that we lack mm. we are lacking culturally and what he does that's important is that he he finds culture in these supposedly uncultured spaces and he you know and and he says that it's there mm. you know just like that he says you know like like it's part of his mysticism mm. and part of this 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 attitude this stance this posture that he takes um uh, it, it's 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 a validation, mm. which is I think like um, we need more of, and we need to we need to be more imaginative when we're looking for culture and thinking about it without fetishizing it, you know, without sort of taking uh, these marginalized cultures and placing them in a gallery to mm. try and, um, like with Ken Loach's films, mm. you know, subsume them in this context, you know, mm. uh, without almost stripping them of their value yeah um through our own fetishization you know without objectifying them yeah <laughs> through our fetishization of them i love that connection as well between the weather and the unknowable <laughs> i mean it's a lot more knowable now because <laughs> we fortunately have meteorologists to tell us what to wear in tomorrow mm. um but it's actually becoming less knowable because of good old climate change uh, weather yeah. forecasts the the the, the effectiveness uh, the accuracy of weather forecasts has has peaked and now mm. is on the down. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, climate change aside for a second, <laughs> so if you'll per- if you'll permit me that realm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's even when we've you know I, even when I've read read the weather in the morning, mm. I will still probably find at some point in the day that I am either over or underdressed <laughs> um, for the prevailing conditions, um, and. Yeah, so maybe there's just something fundamentally unknowable about being English that we can't even know what the weather's going to be like in a couple of hours, you know, or keep track of that. Yeah. You know, maybe we just, in the same way, we lose track of ourselves. And yet we fastidiously try to chase this. We we, we try to pin things down and plan things. And, you know, we like to write letters and mm. um, we like to have meetings. And I think it speaks to something specific mm. about the characters we've built for ourselves or the national character that we've constructed in yeah, there's definitely a, um, a conflict between those those structures. We, there's England's a place where lots of structures have been created, mm. and then that kind maybe, of maybe just so we can stay out of the rain. Yeah. <laughs> On that note. On that note. Thank you, Gabby. It's been a very great pleasure to talk to you about England. It's always a treat, Ralph. Um, we will be back talking about other things. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.